أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Brothers and sisters and welcome to session number 25 of the A Lesson Per Page Quran program Inshallah today we will be beginning with page number 104 of the Holy Quran As many prophets as it takes for there to be no excuse left. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, when He created us, He didn't create us and the universe and all of creation in vain. There was a purpose for it um, that He had in mind. And so He's going to make sure that we're not going to leave this world, most of us or all of us, not having secured the whole purpose of our creation and then having an excuse for it. No, he's not going to put all, all of creation through all of this trouble of being created and all the pain and suffering in this life for, for him to get out of all of this, the fact that people say, oh, we didn't know. Um, no, he makes sure that he's going to do his due diligence, he's going to do his job so that no one uses this excuse on the Day of Judgment. I want to explain that a little bit, inshallah, after we recite the verse our verses. Verses number 163 to 165 of وَآتَيْنَا دَابُودَ زَبُورًا وَرُسُلًا قَدْ قَصَصْنَاهُمْ عَلَيْكَ مِنْ قَبْلُ وَرُسُلًا لَمْ نَقْصُصْهُمْ عَلَيْكَ وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا رُسُلًا مُبَشِّرِينَ وَمُنْذِرِينَ لِئَلَّا يَكُونَ لِلنَّاسِ عَلَى اللَّهِ حُجَّةٌ بَعْدَ الرُّسُلِ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَزِيزًا حَكِيمًا We have indeed revealed to you as we revealed to Nuh and the prophets after him. And as we revealed to Abraham and Ismail, Ishaq, Yaqub and the tribes, Jesus and Ayyub, Yunus, Harun and Sulaiman, and we gave Dawood the Psalms. And apostles we have recounted to you earlier and apostles we have not recounted to you. We haven't told you about, we haven't told you their story. And to Musa, Allah spoke directly. It's interesting how Musa السلام, is kind of isolated here and all the other prophets were mentioned before. I guess it shows that there's something very, very special about Prophet Musa. Apostles as bearers of good news and warners so that mankind may not have any argument, any excuse against Allah after the sending of the apostles, the messengers. And Allah is Almighty, All-Wise. Okay, so as I said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has a purpose in mind when He sends us to this dunya, when He brings us into this realm of creation. And so He will do everything that is possible for Him and allowed for Him, so to speak, allowed for Him in the sense of as long as it doesn't, He's not doing the work for us. He will do whatever it takes for us to be able to figure out the right path and traverse that path of God. 
And so this verse here, or and the, and the, I would say verse number 165 is the actual lesson we're taking, but 163 and 164 really give us a, a context here. He's listing all of these prophets by name. Yes, Nuh, Ibrahim, Ismail, Ishaq, Yaqub, uh, Isa, Ayyub, Yunus, Harun, Suleiman, Dawood, Musa, salam. And then he tops it off with, there are others that we have not even told you about. Right? If I'm not mistaken, I think there are 17 prophets in the Qur'an that are mentioned by name. Is that all the prophets we have? No. We, according to hadith, there's a ton more of prophets of God. But God has not mentioned all of them by name and He hasn't given us and told us their story by name. Right? And so here, just to make sure that everyone knows there's more to the list than just what was listed, He says, uh, so there are some prophets, we told you the story before, but apparently not mentioned in the Qur'an or something, or maybe mentioned in other parts of the Qur'an is meant here. But what's important is this part. And some prophets that are messengers that we didn't even, we have not even told you the story of. Alright, so all these prophets, why? Well, Surah Isra verse 15 tells us why. And also here, verse number 165 of Surah An-Nisa is telling us that the excuse, that, that, that the hujjah, excuse me, the argument is complete against mankind. There are no more excuses on the Day of Judgment. Here it said, uh, so that mankind may not have any argument against Allah after the sending of the prophets, of, of the apostles and messengers. After Allah sends the messengers, there's no more argument anymore. No one can argue against God. Or as I said, Surah Isra verse 15, وَمَا كُنَّا مُعَذِّبِينَ حَتَّى نَبْعَثَ رَسُولًا We're not going to punish anybody until we first send a messenger to them. So that what happens? So that there is no more argument left. There is no more excuse left. Alright? So brothers and sisters, Allah does not create in vain. There's a purpose for everything, and especially creation, of course. Um, and He will do whatever it takes. And that's why He's going to send prophets, because it does not make sense for Him to create us and then expect us to have some divine knowledge or something. Like, we know exactly what we're supposed to do to please Him. No, He has to send the prophets and make sure that we are convinced that these are the prophets of God. They're telling the truth. Once that happens, then there's no excuse left. I want to share with you two verses that illustrate how there is a purpose, and, is, and that is why Allah is not going to stop until He gets the job done, until He's sure that we, we, we don't have any excuse against Him. The purpose um, is mentioned, of course, in Surah Dhariyat, uh, the whole purpose of creation is so that we are, I would say, obedient servants of God. He wants us to be His abds. Right? There's a purpose for this, there's a reason for it. Surah Mu'minun verse 115 Do you think we created you in vain and there was no reason, no purpose for you to be created? And that you're not going to return to us? In other words, returning to Allah can be seen as the ultimate purpose. If we are His proper servants and abds, we will return to Him in the right way. Or for example, Surah Sa'd verse 27 وَمَا خَلَقْنَا السَّمَاءَ وَالْأَرْضَ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا بَاطِلًا We didn't create the, the, uh, the sky and the earth and whatever's in between them 
out of batil or falsehood. There's no falsehood there. And falsehood here, I would say, translates to just vain and purposelessness. Right? The ones who have turned away from the faith, the kuffar, they're the ones, that's what they think, that there's no purpose. Woe unto them from the fire that they're going to probably enter. So there is purpose. Brothers and sisters, he will do his best that, so that we secure this purpose that we were created for. You know why? Brothers and sisters, the last thing that Allah wants, I would say, is for us, for 95% or 100% of his creation to show up on the Day of Judgment and they say, oh, we didn't know what we were supposed to do. Think about it. If he, if he creates all of the creation for us to reach him and to secure his satisfaction, but never sends prophets to actually let us know what we're supposed to do, what's going to happen? Well, on the Day of Judgment, everyone's going to stand up and say, oh Allah, we didn't know. Like, you know, you should have done something about it. You should have informed us. That's the last thing you want for you to create all of creation. Because, brothers and sisters, it's not like it's perfect here either. I mean, life is good and all that. And, and we take a lot of pleasure in life, that's true. But at the same time, there's a lot of hardship. There's a lot of suffering and pain as well. That's just how this world is. And that's why we're here, because it's through these tests that we can actually grow and develop spiritually. All right, so that's the, that's the reason behind us being here. So the last thing you want is for all of this pain and suffering and all of that to have taken place, and not just for mankind. Brothers and sisters, Allah has created a lot of other things for us. All of the livestock out there that people consume, right? That's, that is not easy on the livestock that's out there. It's not easy that they have to uh, die for us, kind of, so to speak, uh, if you want to say it like that because we consume them, right? All the fishes in the sea, or all the fish in the sea, all the livestock on the land, all the birds in the air. Like we are eating everything that moves apparently, <laughs> and doesn't move, of vegetation and plants and so on. All of this, and then all the suffering that mankind has to go through, all of the oppressed people and all the oppression that, that happens, and all the kids that never grow to be old even, who are hurt, who suffer, all of this so that what happens on the Day of Judgment, we all show up, 100% of us, and be like, oh, we didn't know, so like, you know, all of that just went down the drain, oops. You know, all of that creation, all that hardship that everyone went through. He doesn't want that at all. So he's going to make sure he leaves no excuse. You know what it's like? It's like you setting up a birthday party, right, with all these foods, or like a Super Bowl party. All this food that's out there that you got on the table, ready to go down the throats of people. And what happens is, you never let anyone know that you're actually throwing a party, right? So no one shows up, all of that goes to waste. That's what it is. Like when you do that, it is upon you and it is on you to make sure that at you will spread the word as much as possible and give addresses to people, give the timings and all of that. Now you can't go and actually drive everyone to the party. But at least, the least you do is you make sure that everyone hears about this. Why? Because you know everyone's interested. It's just who's willing to make that effort now to come to the party, which usually a lot of people will. The last thing you want is for you to do all of this and go through all of this, only for people to say, oh my God, we missed out. If only you had let us know. That's the last thing you want. 
Imam Hussein on Ashura, what did he do? Again and again and again, according to history, like he is telling the people, I am the son of the daughter of your Prophet. Hello, are you sure you know what you're doing? You sure you know who I am? Because the last thing you want is Imam Hussein's blood to be spilled on Ashura, the last of the five members of the Kisa and the cloak. To, to, be, to, to be spilled only for people later on to go to say, oh, we weren't sure who he was. Oh, we didn't know what's going on. No, 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 no. If the blood of Imam Hussein is going to be spilled, it better be spilled in, in, in a way that no one has any excuse on the Day of Judgment because this is a very sacred and holy blood that is not to be shed that easily and taken that lightly. No. Alright, so something along these lines. Brothers and sisters, when there's a big guidance or a big misguidance involved, Allah will do whatever it takes to make sure to make sure that the people have no excuse on the Day of Judgment. And even if it means sending prophet after prophet after prophet. And this is really Allah understanding things. Something that even we understand. He won't leave any room for excuses on the Day of Judgment. Page number 105 of the Holy Qur'an. The Qur'an has spoken the final verdict on Jesus Christ. Alright, so, we've had uh, verses before that speak of, um, that speak of Prophet Isa salam, and we will have more later as well. Uh, but this uh, page, page number 105, what it does is it gives us really a final verdict on how we are supposed to view and how the Qur'an expects us to view Prophet Isa salam, also known as Jesus Christ, as they call him. Okay, let's recite the verses and then get into some details here. Ya ahl al-kitab la taghlu fi dinikum wa la taqulu ala Allahi illa al-haq innama al-masihu Isa ibn Maryam rasulullahi wa kalimatuhu alqaha ila Maryam wa ruhum minh fa'aminu billahi wa rusulih وَلَا تَقُولُوا ثَلَاثَةٌ إِنْتَهُوا خَيْرًا لَكُمْ إِنَّمَا اللَّهُ إِلَهُ وَاحِدٌ سُبْحَانَهُ أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُ وَلَدٌ لَهُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا لَنْ يَسْتَنْكِفَ الْمَسِيحُ أَنْ يَكُونَ عَبْدًا لِلَّهِ وَلَا الْمَلَائِكَةُ الْمُقَرَّبُونَ وَمَنْ يَسْتَنْكِفْ عَنْ عِبَادَتِهِ وَيَسْتَكْبِرْ فَسَيَحْشُرُهُمْ إِلَيْهِ جَمِيعًا O people of the book, do not exceed the bounds in your religion. لا تغلو في دينكم It means don't exaggerate, don't overdo things when it comes to the religion. And do not attribute anything to Allah except the truth. Well, what truth are we talking about here? The, Masa the Messiah. إِنَّمَا المسيح. Verily, Messiah, the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, was only an apostle of Allah. What was he? He was Rasulullah, he was a messenger of Allah. So that's two things so far. Jesus was son of Mary, messenger of Allah. His word, kalima, we'll talk about that, that he cast toward Mary. And a spirit from him, from Allah, ruhun min. So these are, how many, uh, how many do we have here? One, 
two, three, four. We have four things listed here that this is how you're supposed to see Al-Masihu Isa ibn Maryam. This is how you're supposed to look at Jesus, son of Mary. So have faith in Allah and His messengers and do not say God is a trinity. So thalatha in Arabic means three. And so it's referring to the trinity here. Don't say trinity. Relinquish, relinquish such a creed and belief. Put it aside. That is better for you. Allah is but the one God. He is far too immaculate to have any son because, you know, they say that Jesus is the Son of God. To Him belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on earth. In other words, like why would He need a son when he, everything belongs to Him anyway? And Allah suffices as trustee, the Messiah. And this is also an interesting point here that we'll talk about as well. The Messiah would never disdain being a servant of Allah. He'll never be, it won't be the case that he won't be interested in being a servant of Allah. Even Masih himself says, I'm, I'm an abd of Allah. Nor would the angels brought near to Allah. No one is, is willing to say, I'm not interested in being an abd and slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whoever disdains his worship and is arrogant, he, meaning Allah, will gather them all toward him. And you know, he'll take care of stuff then. Alright, so this is, you can say, I would like, to, I, this is how I like to call it, this is the final verdict regarding Al-Masihu Isa ibn Maryam. Number one, he is the son of Mary. Don't say he's the son of God. He is the son of Mary, just like everyone else. He was born from a womb. He was begotten from a womb. So we had this, um, I don't remember the page, but we had this lesson on one of the pages of the Qur'an before. That look, if you're going to say that he's the son of God because he didn't have a father, well, no, because Prophet Adam was, he, was, he came into existence without a mother or father. So remi just reminding you that he has a mother, he is coming from the womb of his mother Maryam alayhi salam. Number one. Number two, he is only a messenger of Allah. You can't be a messenger of Allah and be God himself at the same time or have any divinity in you. Number two. Number three, his word. Let's explain, let's talk about this a little bit. Kalima in English means word. We all know this, right? But when, the, when this word kalima is used in the Qur'an, does it always mean word as in utterance? Or does it mean something else as well? Let me share with you what... Um, there are two explanations here, not that they go against each other, they can be reconciled. But let me, let me, let me uh, share with you two explanations here regarding um, uh, this kalima. Okay? Um, Ayatollah Makaram in his tafsir it says that when it says kalima, it is pointing to the fact that Prophet Isa is a makhluq. Prophet Isa is a creation of God, created by God. Okay. The fact that you are a creation or a creature of God, yeah, means you are a kalima of God. This is very important. The same way words and kalimat are our creation. When we speak, we are creating words, right? That same way, he is a creation of God. This is what Ayatollah Makaram is saying. And so since, um, 
Yeah. The same way words are our creation, all of the creatures and creation that we see outside in the universe, what are they? They are all the creation of God. The same way words reflect what we have within us, yes? And they are a reflection of our characteristics and the way we are, yes? The creation of God also are a reflection of the virtues of God, the qualities of Jamal and Jalal of God, the, the, the qualities of beauty and majesty, they say, of God. Right? I have the Farsi in front of me, so I'm translating as I'm going on. That's why I'm not reading off of it, brothers and sisters. Um, and that's why we have in other verses of the Qur'an, he says, where the creation of God and all the things that God have, has, has created are referred to as His kalimat, as His words. So for example, Surah Kahf verse 109, it's a very famous verse. It says, قُلْ لَوْ كَانَ الْبَحْرُ مِدَادًا لِكَلِمَاتِ رَبِّي لَنَفِدَ الْبَحْرُ قَبْلَ أَن تَنْفَدَ كَلِمَاتُ رَبِّي That if the, uh, the seas, or if the sea was to be a midad, a pencil or pen or writing utensil for the words of my Lord, the sea would have ended before the words of my Lord end. Now we don't want to get into the tafsir of this verse. This is Surah Kahf verse 109, but the Mufassirun there have explained why, that how this kalimat doesn't mean the words that God wants to speak, but rather the creation of God. Allah's creation, even if the sea was to be a pen for uh, these words or creation of God, it wouldn't be enough. That's how much God is creating. Okay. Anyway, let's go back to what Ayatollah Makaram was saying here. He says, look, just like those words are our creation, all of the creatures and creation out there are God's creation, and so they are the words of God and they reflect God's majesty and beauty. Yes, these words might be different when it, amongst themselves. They might be different in the sense of some being more, some being greater, some being less significant and simpler maybe. And then so he make, draws this conclusion eventually. He says, Prophet Isa salam, yes, he had a special prominence and significance. The miraculous nature of his birth and all the miracles he came with, etc. All of these show that yes, he is something special. He is a special kalima. And so I guess what he's trying to say here is that, uh, what Ayatollah Makarim is trying to say here is that, look, yeah, that's why God is referring to him as his kalima, his word. Meaning what? He's my creation. Not that he is anything else other than that. That is one way of explaining him being a kalima of God or the kalima of God, the word of God. He looks at it from a different angle, but in the end they're all saying the same thing. He says he is the kalima of God, meaning what? Meaning that God used his special kalima, his special takwini command. In other words, the command that Allah uses to create things, which is kun fayakun. That special word of kun, bi, fayakun, and it is. He used that special command when it came to Prophet Isa salam. In other words, Prophet Isa is a manifestation of the word of God. Which word? That command of God, which is kun fayakun. That when he wants to create something, he says bi, and it is. 
In other words, he is the creation of God. You see, both Ayatollah Makaram and Alamatabatabai, they're coming to the same conclusion that, look, Prophet Isa is the creation of God. He is not God. You can't be the creation of God, but be God himself. Ayatollah Makaram used the argument of, or the explanation of kalima in the sense of how we create words. Allah also creates us like those words. Alamatabatabai used the command of kun fayakun in this regard. Alright, but as I said, the result and outcome is the same. Alright, what else do we have? We had the word of God we all, that he cast towards Mary, and so he, this is a creation that you know was a result of Lady Maryam. And Lady Maryam is the, the means through which you know this word of God came into existence. What else do we have? A spirit from him. Ruhun min. A spirit from him. This also needs a little explanation here. That a spirit from him doesn't mean that his spirit is a piece of God's spirit. Okay, because if you're going to say that, you're going to have to say this about everybody. Why do I say that? Surah Hijrah, verse 29, Surah Sa'd, verse 72. They say they both say the exact same thing about all of mankind, or better yet, let's say Adam alayhi salam. And by extension, I would say that all of the descendants of Adam alayhi salam. فَإِذَا سَوَّيْتُهُ وَنَفَخْتُ فِيهِ مِنْ رُوحِي فَقَعُوا لَهُ سَاجِدِينَ In the story of the angels, what does Allah say? He says, once I have proportioned him and I have blown in him from my soul or spirit or whatever you want to call it. What do I want from you when this happens? I want you to fall in prostration towards him or to him. So here, He's saying, Ruhi, my soul, my spirit, <laughs> which is even more. Over here in our verse uh, on page 105, it's saying a spirit from him. That's less than saying my spirit in Adam. Okay, so whatever we say there, we'll say here. And that is that, look, in these verses, our scholars have explained. In these verses and other similar ones, when Allah says, my soul, it's kind of like when He says, my home. And He's referring to the Kaaba. Does that mean that Allah actually, that's His home? No, this is associated with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is in Arabic, they call it, idafa tashrifiya. It is to honor that home over all other homes. This bayt, this Kaaba, this house of God, to make it special, Allah says, it's my house. The same way, to make this ruh that we have, all of us in us, special. Allah says, look, this is something that comes from me. It's coming from me, yes, meaning that it's associated with me. Not that it's a piece of God's Spirit or like a chunk of God's Spirit or anything like that. And so here, the same explanation will apply here even more so, even more so here. Because here, at least it says, from him, minhu. While in those two verses that I shared with you, it says, my spirit. It's not a spirit from me. It says, my spirit. So whatever answer we give there, for sure will apply here as well. And so there's an interesting story I want to share with you. Um, some tafsirs have mentioned this story, that Harun al-Rashid's doctor, he was, a Nasa he was of the Nasara. He was a Christian. And so one time he's debating uh, a Muslim scholar, which was famous, and he is saying to him, that, look, you guys have a verse in the Qur'an that implies that uh, Isa is actually, you know, has some divinity and deity in him. 
Why is that? Ruhun minh. His soul comes from God. It's as if it's part of God or something like that. So this doctor, he uh, answers with a verse of the Qur'an that says, وَسَخَّرَ لَكُمْ مَا فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا مِنْهِ That Allah has put at your disposal whatever is in the heavens and on the earth or in the earth, all of it is from Him, مِنْهُ Same word is used here, مِنْهِ Verse number 171 said, رُوحٌ مِنْهِ A ruh, a spirit from Allah. Here it says, Everything in the heavens and on earth is from him. So this doctor is, uh, is baffled at this answer. He has nothing to say because that scholar, um, his answer, what he's trying to say is that if you're going to say that Prophet Isa is God, then you have to say everything on, in the heavens and the earth is also God because the same word has been used, min, from God. No, from God means that, that God is the origin of it, not that it's a piece of him or anything like that. All right, and finally, the last point I want to make here before we move on is that uh, that last verse, 172, is also a pretty cool verse. We need to, we, 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 we can't sleep on this one right here. We gotta we have to see it. What it's saying here is very important as well. That look, Allah is speaking on behalf of Prophet Isa here. He says Prophet Isa has no problem in saying that he is my abd, he is the abd of Allah. And the angels also have no problem in saying that either. Okay? Prophet Isa السلام, has no problem in saying, I'm an abd of Allah and the angels. The angels are a creation of God, everyone knows that. So Isa السلام, he's saying the same thing that the angels are saying. I have no problem in saying, I am the abd of Allah. Now, Prophet Isa is not saying this, by the way. Allah is saying, Look, I'm letting you know, Isa, because Isa has passed away hundreds of years ago, right? I'm letting you know that Isa has no problem in saying this. So how can someone, how can someone who is God say that I am an abd and servant of Allah? Doesn't make sense again. In other words, it seems that God is trying to knock some sense into these people and say how can a person who believes that they are a servant of God say that I am God himself. And so all in all, put this creed of Trinity aside that assigns some form of divinity to Isa ibn Maryam. Isa, the son of Maryam. All right. Alhamdulillah, we have finished um, Surah An-Nisa. And now we move on to Surah Al-Ma'idah. Surah Al-Ma'idah, the fifth surah of the Holy Quran, um, as I've done with previous surahs of the Quran when we go into them, all I do is I just mention why the name has been chosen for that surah without getting into too many details. Surah Al-Ma'idah, which means the table spread, right? The uh, sufra, the dastakhan, whatever you want to call it. Um, this uh, Ma'idah, the reason why it's why this name is used for the surah is because of uh, the verse or verses that speak of the story of the disciples of. Prophet Isa salam asking him for a ma'idah from the heavens or from Allah, wherever. Um, and so because of that story, this surah has been named Suratul Ma'idah. Inshallah, I think we will get to that verse or that set of verses in the future as well. So let's uh let's move on to page number page number one hundred and six. And this is now in Suratul Ma'idah. 
be each other's aid when it comes to good and piety. Yes, page number 106. There are a few things that I want to mention here. There is a context to all of this first, um, but we'll get into that. Let's first re let's recite the verse and then I'll get into that. Verse number 2 of Surah Al-Ma'idah. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تُحِلُّوا شَعَائِرَ اللَّهِ وَلَا الشَّهْرَ الْحَرَامَ وَلَا الْهَدْيَ وَلَا الْقَلَائِدَ وَلَا آمِّينَ الْبَيْتَ الْحَرَامَ يَبْتَغُونَ فَضْلًا مِّنْ رَبِّهِمْ وَرِضْوَانًا وَإِذَا حَلَلْتُمْ فَاسْطَادُوا وَلَا يَجْرِمَنَّكُمْ شَنْآنُ قَوْمٍ أَنْ صَدُّوكُمْ عَنِ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ أَنْ تَعْتَدُوا وَتَعَاوَنُوا عَلَى الْبِرِّ وَالتَّقْوَى وَلَا تَعَاوَنُوا عَلَى الْإِثْمِ وَالْعُدْوَانِ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ شَدِيدُ الْعِقَابِ O you who have faith, do not violate Allah's sacraments. Neither the sacred month, nor the offering, nor the leashes. Now here it says leashes. Um, some say garlands. Um, those things that they would tie around the neck of the animals, of the livestock. Nor those bound for the sacred house who seek their Lord's grace and His pleasure. But when you emerge from pilgrim sanctity, you may hunt for game. Okay, so these are some rulings. This is a ruling about, you know, when you are muhrim. Um, what to do, uh, what you're not allowed to do, and what you can do once you leave ihram. This is not the point of, um, uh, or the lesson that we want to take. These don't have too much to do with the lesson we want to take. What we want to do is, what we want to take is from here on now. Ill feeling for a people should not lead you, because they barred you from entering the sacred mosque, to transgress. In other words, the fact that you don't like a certain people, because of what they did to you in the past should not push you to be to do dhulm or to oppress or as it says here um, to do i'tida to transgress and cross the lines okay help one another in piety and god wariness bir and taqwa here it says piety i would say righteousness instead of piety for bir and piety for taqwa or god wariness for taqwa. But all right, it's all good. But do not cooperate in sin and aggression, or in other words, do not help each other in sin and aggression. So it's ta'awanu ala al-birri wa taqwa wa la ta'awanu. Don't do ta'awan when it comes to sin and aggression. Same verb, one says do, one says don't. And be wary of Allah. Indeed, Allah is severe in retribution. Okay, so as I said, we have a list of things here of do's and don'ts, I guess. Most of them are don'ts, if not all of them. Um, so apparently this is when now power is in the hands of the Prophet He calls the shots when it comes to Masjid al-Haram and Mecca and so on. As most of you, if not all of you know, towards the end of his life, the Holy Prophet conquered Mecca and there's a whole story about that. And he conquered it with the least bloodshed, if any bloodshed at all. Um, and so now Muslims, uh, Mecca is part of Muslim lands and the Prophet has control over these lands. So now here, the Qur'an is giving some guidelines on how to deal with different matters and how to deal with the people who come for Hajj. And then it says, look, we know 
that there are people out there who, what do they do? In the past, they hurt you all. When is it talking about? This is the context I wanted to share. Um, they say that the context of these verses, what these verses is alluding to, is the, the, um, the story of Hudaybiyyah and the peace treaty of Hudaybiyyah and the bay'ah of al-shajarah that took place in this whole story. Right? Long story short, the Prophet ﷺ, before having power over Mecca, he comes with a group of the Muslimin to uh, visit the house of God, the Kaaba. But they are stopped outside of Mecca. They're not allowed to go in. They feel that their lives are in danger. Then eventually a peace treaty, a, they come to a peace treaty with the Mushrikeen. They go back to Medina and they're not able to visit the house of God that year and, and they're able to visit later. Now, that is the, the, the story of Hudaybiyyah. So as you can see, they were barred from entering the sacred mosque, Masjidul Haram. So now, they were very upset, brothers and sisters. I want you to understand. They were very, very upset to the point that some people um, of the companions of the Prophet, they kind of um, spoke out or they expressed their, their, their grief to the Prophet and to the point where you feel like they were kind of maybe questioning the Prophet's decision here. And we do have... Uh, in, in history, we do have some accounts of how these companions, or one of them, said that I never doubted the Holy Prophet as much as I did on that day. There is a long story to that. I don't want to get into right now. We don't have time for that. But yes, Hudaybiyah really made them upset. That's the point I'm trying to make right now. Really made them upset to the point that the Quran is telling them, listen, people, the Shan'an of a Qawm, right? The, uh, what does it here say? Um, the ill feeling that you have, or the hate that you have, or whatever you have towards these people should not be a reason for you to transgress because transgression is always bad. Dhulm is always bad. Doesn't matter. Dhulm is dhulm. Right? So, Allah says, I don't. I'm looking at the bigger picture. All of what you're going through, Islam and all of that, is to live a proper, righteous, God-weary life. You can't let your hate, emotions, anger get the best of you. We all remember the story of Imam Ali salam when Amr bin Abdawad jumped the trench of the, in the Battle of Khaybar and Imam Ali eventually defeated him but didn't finish him off because he spat in Imam Ali's face. Imam Ali didn't finish him off because he was afraid if he does, if he does so, that he hasn't done this act for Allah, he's done it out of his own anger. So he gets up, he walks around a little bit, cools off, then he finishes off Amr bin Abdiwad. Okay, so the, we, these are stories we've heard of. This is what Islam is all about at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, doing things for Allah, not for my own emotions, right? Although sometimes our emotions might be involved. And inshallah, it's, it's a growing learning process. It's not like we can expect ourselves to be super mukhlis and super sincere from day one is something that we have to practice. Anyway, anyway, let me close that parenthesis here. Going back to what we're talking about, do not let that get the best of you, the Qur'an is saying. They barred you from entering the sacred mosque, fine. Don't let this be a reason for you to transgress and oppress, no. Alright, having said all of that, this is the main lesson though. This is a very important verse. This part of it says, تَعَاوَنُوا عَلَى الْبِرِّ وَالتَّقْوَىٰ وَلَا تَعَاوَنُوا عَلَى الْإِثْمِ وَالْعُدْوَانِ Help each other 
when it comes to doing good, take each other's hands when it comes to doing good and righteousness. That should be the reason why you help each other. In the past that you will hear and you will read, before Islam, when tribalism was all over the place, it didn't matter if, if it was good or bad or whatever. You would help an, another person because they were from your tribe. That's how it was in the past. Islam came with this huge blessing of teaching the people that, look, what matters is righteousness and taqwa, not tribalism, not of revenge and things like that. You, you're, the reason why you help someone else shouldn't be that you want to take revenge from the third party. No. Everything revolves, when it comes to aiding each other and helping each other and cooperating with, with each other, everything revolves around Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and, and that means doing good and righteousness. That's what it is. وَلَا تَعَاوَنُوا عَلَى الْإِثْمِ وَالْعُدْوَانِ Do not help each other, aid each other when it comes to, um, what's the word here it says? Sin and aggression. That's what the translation says. Sin and aggression. That should not be your criteria. And from this, and this is a very general statement. Now of course, the verse was speaking about the hajj and all of that and the do's and don'ts, or just the don'ts of hajj and how to behave when it comes to that. But this is a general statement here, and it makes sense. It makes sense that this is what, is, this is what, should, this is what the case should be, that we only help each other when it comes to good, and we are not supposed to help each other when it comes to aggression and sin. So this is why our scholars have derived a very general rule from this verse, to the point that, you are not allowed to help anyone in any sense, no matter how close they are to you. Right? Ta'awun ala al-ithm is haram. If someone else is committing any haram act, you're not supposed to be involved in that act in any way. Right? And even till today, it, it gets, it, these rules make it a little hard when it comes to choosing careers. Because if our career is one that is helping some sin take place somewhere, then it can be a problem. Yeah? So that's why I'm always telling youth, I'm like, hey, do your homework now in figuring out what you want to do in the future, inshallah, so that it's not the career that chooses you, it is you that chooses the career. We have to be very careful. If, if, if me choosing the right career, a career that is not, does not fall under the category of Al-i'ana ala al-ithmi wal-udwan or al-ta'awun ala al-ithmi wal-udwan you know, pushing for sin or helping sin or facilitating sin or being involved in any way with sin. If that's something I want to stay away from when I grow up, when it comes to my career, then I better do my homework right now and, and look into things and figure out what careers out there are halal careers versus those careers that are problematic because it will be too late later on to change things if I have no choice. And that brings me to this hadith by the Holy Prophet which is a very, very important and pivotal hadith for us. And that it says, إِذَا كَانَ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ نَادَ مُنَادٍ أَيْنَ الظَّلَمَةِ وَأَعْوَانُ الظَّلَمَةِ وَأَشْبَاهُ الظَّلَمَةِ That when the Day of Judgment arrives, a caller will call out, okay, where are the dhalama? Where are the oppressors? So those who directly were oppressing others, 
وَأَعْوَانِ الظَّلَمَةِ Those who were helpers of the ظَلَمَةِ وَأَشْبَاهِ الظَّلَمَةِ Those who are similar to them. حَتَّى Even we want, we're looking for even those who مَنْ Now if I read this part correctly, مَنْ بَرَأَ لَهُمْ قَلَمًا بَرَأَ لَهُمْ قَلَمًا وَلَاقَ لَهُمْ دَوَاتًا Even the ones who sharpened a pencil for them. Or prepared the ink of a pen for them. Wow. قَالْ فَيُجْتَمَعُونَ فِي تَابُوتٍ مِنْ حَدِيدٍ Okay, so they are going to gather all of these people, even those who had this much to do with the dhulma and oppression of the oppressors. Now, I want you to understand one thing, brothers and sisters, before we get a little too worried here. Um, it's talking about dhalamah now. Those people who were dhalims, like the Fir'auns, like the uh, Harun al-Rashids, Right, these types we're talking about here, like the Yazids and so on and so forth. The ones who we all know spilled innocent blood, took innocent lives, right? That's what we're talking about here, the dhalama, from then all the way till today. Yes, so if there are dhalama today, we have to try to steer clear as much as we can, unless there's a very, very clear justification of being involved in anything that has to do with the dhalama of today. Alright, so this is how serious the matter is to the point where even if you help them by sharpening their pencil or providing their ink or getting their ink ready for them, this is going to be a problem, a very big problem. Why? Because it says, God, He said, These people will be gathered in a coffin of, let's say, steel, and they will be cast into Jahannam. It's one thing to be cast into Jahannam, it's one, another thing to be put in a steel coffin and be cast into Jahannam. That is very, very scary. And we have other hadiths, other stories of the Imams, how they would tell their lovers and they would tell their followers that, look, you better be very, very careful when it comes to um, being close to the dhalama. The only time you can be close to them is if you are if there's a proper justification for it. So we really seek refuge in Allah and this is a wake-up call for us to take things serious when it comes to our livelihood in the future and us waking up from now, yes, and planning from now, being organized from now so that we don't fall into such a trap of shaitan and such a really disaster for our deen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma nawar qulubana bil Qur'an وزين أخلاقنا بالقرآن ونجنا من النار بالقرآن وأدخلنا الجنة بالقرآن اللهم اجعل القرآن لنا في الدنيا قرينا وفي القبر مونسا وعلى الصراط نورا وفي الجنة رفيقا ومن النار سترا وحجابا وإلى الخيرات كلها دليلا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته